Hi, I'm Nikki from Teaching Autism and welcome to the Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Are you an autism or special education professional? Are you a teacher or therapist looking for support and new ideas? You may even be a parent, family member or carer. This podcast is perfect to help you find out more information, support and get some of your questions answered. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode on the Teaching Autism and Special Education Community Podcast. Today I had Robin Fox on the podcast as a guest from Social Eyes and we are going to be talking all about social and emotional learning. This is a great episode and I can't wait for you to hear it. So without further ado, let's dive straight in and let me introduce you to Robin. Welcome to the podcast, Robin. I'm so excited to have you here to talk all about social and emotional learning today. Before we get started, would you mind giving me a quick introduction of who you are and what Social Eyes is too? I'd be happy to. So I am Robin Fox and I'm the founder of Social Eyes, E-Y-E-S. And I began this journey at the end of my first career, which was a special education teacher um, for 37 years. I have a background in psychology, in special education, and in broadcast media. And I found that the students that I was working with the last few years of my career were high school students, they were all on the spectrum, and they had varied degrees of capabilities, and yet they all had the same thing in common, which was that they really struggled with interpersonal connection and reciprocal conversation and managing their behaviors. And we, in practice, when we were in group, they did it perfectly. But when they took it out into the world and things were more spontaneous, that's when things fell apart for them. I'm also a professional improv actor. And one day we were beginning a session and they were fidgeting and they were looking away and just so distracted. We're just gonna play one of the warm up exercises that I play with my fellow improv professionals before we do a show. And this was a very simple game. You just turn to the person next to you and you clap at the same time. So we played that game and they all looked at me and said, what else you got? And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> what's going on here? My students who are fidgeting and you know scratching and stretching were focused. And I just had the most amazing experience that I had discovered, you know, peanut butter and jelly or something just so <laughs> something that should be so ubiquitous because they loved playing these games and exercises and they were in real time, experiencing connection. Because it might seem like, well, what is that game? You just clap at the same time. It requires them to focus, to synchronize with another human being, and to focus as the clap went around the circle so they were ready for their turn. And then I introduced other games and um, I retired from teaching a few years after that and have spent the last eight years writing all this down. And um, I've been consulting in school systems and 
luckily, I've been, I've had, you know, about 60 to 80 kids a week in groups. I've trained other people to use the improv. And I added mindfulness and cognitive awareness to that because that really completes the circle of knowledge because cognitive awareness is being aware of your thoughts and how your emotions and your thoughts are connected and how your behavior gets uh, rolled up into all of that. And mindfulness helps us to be aware of our thoughts because when you take your awareness and take it away from your thoughts and focus on something else like your breath, you are training your mind to leave room for the thoughts to not always stick. I, I, I could go on and on, but I think you had a question for me. <laughs> perfect. I loved it. I love how passionate you are about all of this. And I totally get how magical it is when you can just have that connection with your students and you see something click and they're enjoying and they're in that moment with you. It's something special you can't even put into words the first time that that happens. And that game, although it just sounds so simple and easy from the outside, that was transforming for your students that day. And I love how you brought your improv actor side out and into the classroom as well with your students. And I bet they absolutely loved it. So moving on, today we are talking all about social and emotional learning. So before we dive into, I know I have some really big questions to throw at you today, but let's start at the basics. What is social and emotional learning? Social and emotional learning really encompasses both self and social awareness, as well as how to share physical and emotional space. So it provides the tools that you can use to examine yourself as a social being and as an individual, and become really aware of your role in creating a satisfying relationships and also a satisfying uh, sense of your own self. So that, that's it in a nutshell, but I mean, it certainly has so many different parts. Um, CASEL is the Collaborative for Academic Social and Emotional Learning. And it is, I don't know if, if uh, it, I'm sure it's worldwide, but they are kind of the, um, the benchmark for all things social uh, and emotional in, in learning. And they have five um, competencies that they divide social emotional learning into. The first is self-awareness, which is being aware of yourself, familiar with your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotional states, and how those impact you as a person and how you present yourself. When you can, you know, uh, accurately assess why you're saying or doing things and know your motivation and understand your goals in life and how to get those goals to manifest, then you have a confidence and willingness to grow that involves, you know, willing to being willing to fail and take risks. And um, you can advocate for yourself. So that's self-awareness. Self-management dives deeper into regulating those behaviors and actions and emotions, especially when you're faced with all kinds of demands and social pressures. So it's having the tools to really handle those stresses and uh, achieve your goals through organization and self-discipline. So social awareness is, you know, really seeing other people's point of views, which we know that 
um, you know, is, is very difficult for people to do. You can tell that by the polarization that's going on around the world. And, you know, it, it, to see somebody else's perspective, you really have to be willing to step out of yourself and imagine what their uh, life is like. So it's just realizing that there are a lot of diverse social norms and cultures and, and customs that people have based on their background. And that is um, that everybody belongs. And so it's having a respect, respectful regard and appreciation for people, no matter how different they are than you. Um, and then relationship skills is understanding what goes into a good relationship. So many people are, you know, suffer through relationships that don't add to their lives just because they've always been in them. So it's giving people the discerning, the discernment to say, is this working for me? You know, what, is this a good friendship? You know, and then having the communication skills that support relationship building. So it's like listening on purpose, looking on purpose, reciprocal conversation, you know, uh, really understanding what's a healthy versus um, a, a destructive relationship and going from there. And then the last one is responsible decision-making skills. Now you make good choices um, when you have all those other things in place, really. Um, so um, you're able to make informed decisions because you've thought about yourself and other people and you have perspective and you think about the future and the consequences of your behaviors and the effect it'll, your behaviors will have on, on others. So my whole curriculum, which is coming out in June, is based on those five competencies. So everything in uh, the program addresses one of those five competencies of social emotional learning. That was perfect. Thank you so much as well for breaking those down. Because sometimes, you know, when someone starts like saying different skills to you and you just think, oh my goodness, but how does that work for my students? What does that mean? But breaking them down, you really make it easier to link with the students and think, actually, I can work on self-awareness with them because the way you broke it down. Because so often in the classroom, we would just have these targets thrown at us and I would be like, okay, that sounds great, but how, what, what does that mean? What does that break down to? But you breaking them down, you really make it easy to understand and for us to see just how important those skills are. And they all interconnect with each other as well for this whole social and emotional learning. Mm -hmm. So I know that a lot of people will often hear that and then panic and think, okay, that sounds amazing. How am I going to fit that into my crazy packed school day? But there are obviously some easy ways that we can really slide this into our learning without having to go totally over the top. Like you said, with that really easy clapping game that you started putting into practice, that doesn't take a huge amount of prep, a huge amount of time, a huge amount of staff. But what are some other games that you think you can really incorporate into a classroom that can make social and emotional learning that a little bit easier and less stressful for our teachers? Sure. Yeah, there are lots of activities that you can use as um, a uh, to teach a certain concept or to raise the energy in the room or to calm the energy down. So uh, and I've divided that up so that people can easily pick something so that they know what they're addressing. So the um, so there's there's a game uh, called an improv game uh, beginning, middle, end. 
And basically, it's telling a story in three sentences. So you have the first sentence uh, that introduces the story, the second sentence that usually adds um, some kind of uh, rising action, and then the third sentence that concludes the story. Now, it might seem like, oh, that's, you know, that's easy peasy. No, it's not. It is very difficult to communicate in three sentences. However, if you can learn to do that, you are keeping people's attention. You are thinking before you speak because you're already saying, well, how can I communicate this in three sentences? The game is played with three people. So we have the person who's the beginning, the person who's the middle, and the person who's um, related and, and a continuous um, story and keeping the same voice and learning how to communicate in that way. Because a lot of our communication, we take on the cadence or the rhythm or the uh, nuanced ways that other people talk. And that's how we kind of mirror, mirror each other. And that's how we know we're connecting. So um, the beautiful thing about this game is that then it can lead into a teaching strategy I call one, two, three, done. Anytime you want to communicate with someone, say it in three sentences and then stop. You stop because then you look on purpose to see if people are still interested. If they're looking away, if they're looking at their watch, what you really learn to know your audience and see how your words landed. And you listen on purpose. Are they asking for more information? Are they just ready to give their two cents. And so it, it, it's a way for our students to um, manage their communication in ways that makes it really um, reciprocal and they get to um, share what they want to share, but not go on and on and on. And I like to use it in the classroom, just if a student has um, read a book, one, two, three, done, tell me about the book. And it also helps them to, in their mind, come up with the most important information. I love that. The whole one, two, three, done. And it's not so hard for our students as well. So many times I've asked students something in the past and you can see the look of panic on their face and the overwhelm. But one, two, three, it really makes it down and it makes it a little bit less scary for them. And it's great for staff as well, because I think it helps us be mindful of that one, two, three done as well. I see so many times, maybe we get carried away, excited about something, but keeping that one, two, three done, I really like that idea. And I'm really excited for your curriculum that is coming out in June, because literally all your years of knowledge, your experience, everything you're talking about right now, I'm really excited for it. I can't wait to learn more about it. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I have to say that um, I, you know, just have had such an amazing fortune to work with the people I've worked with who have given me opportunities to grow and learn and empowered me to try out things with kids. And, um, but most of all, I love seeing kids grow. And because they're learning and having fun with these, because the games can move into a learning, uh, a learning exercise and tool and technique. And they're having fun while they're learning. And don't you think that when we're having fun, we relax, we're open, we let things in. We are more willing to look at ourselves because 
uh, where we are in that state of mind of belonging. When we laugh together, we belong together. That is so true. So many times over the years, I've seen people, you know, really panic when they're introducing something new. And so it's always been my sort of ritual at the start of every school year where maybe it's wrong for some people. For us, we don't work. I totally focus totally on relationships because like you say as soon as you're laughing together connecting with each other you get that trust from your students you can carry that through the year it's so much easier to be able to laugh at yourself and laugh with everyone else rather than panic if you're doing it right and panic if everyone's enjoying and panic if you're being observed panic if you're hitting targets like you say being able to laugh together have fun that's what students remember and then when they're remembering that they're remembering all those important skills that you're working on too I just wanted to add on to that because one of the things in, um, in improv is that you, there are no mistakes in improv. And that sounds like that's crazy. Well, no, it's not because everything that you do is fertilizer for growth. So how can it be a mistake? <laughs> so when we fail and, and we have games where that we teach kids that they're, they're going to fail and we... Uh, and we celebrate that. We go, ta-da, when they make a mistake. And everybody does that because actually um, the, fear of, the fear of failure is a block to our growth and success. Um, and, and, we, and so coupled with that, we need to give kids tools so that when they feel lousy about themselves because they failed, they can work through those emotions. So that's a big part of the program too. So... I love that, especially when it takes away that fear of failure. If it's not an option, I think everyone just relax a little bit more when they know, well, there's no wrong way for me to do this. Whatever I do is going to be right. Whatever I do is going to get a reaction to make me happy. I think that just helps everyone enjoy the session a little bit more as well. So I know you talk a lot about your improvisation exercises, which is Brilliant, because obviously that's a part of you as an improv actor and you really bring yourself to the classroom and connect with your students. But for people who are maybe wondering about, should I introduce this? How can I do this? What are some benefits of those improv exercises that people could really take in right now and think about putting into their classroom? Sure. You don't have to be an improv actor or no theater at all to do these exercises. Um, I have written out scripts so that um, I introduced a little bit of the exercise. Then I, the script says, um, leader says, and it's all written out. And so you just say that to the kids and you're learning while they're learning. Um, and it's, um, it's very user friendly. I, I know that teachers have so much on their plates and I did not want to add to their, uh, you know, pile of things that they have to do. What I want to do is to, relieve some of their stress, relieve some of that pressure. And even inserting these games throughout the day, transitions in their day, or it could be a 45 minute to an hour group using the format of the lesson plans that I provide. So the, um, the advantages of, um, of improv is that you're learning through play. You know, I was at a conference uh, that I was presenting at last May and a teenager walked by and he stopped and he looked at me and he said, I know you, you're the lady who tricks us into having fun. 
And I just, my heart just burst open. I looked and I said, yeah, that's me. And um, so, you know, it is uh, teaching connection and relationship skills to people who feel, uh, you know, a lack of success in those areas is very tricky. Because if you hit it head on, you're poking at those sensitive, uncomfortable places that trigger their armor to come up in resistance or dysregulated behaviors. But playing improv games engages kids socially in ways that gives them experiences of success in those very targeted problematic areas. And they want to keep coming back for more. So the, the games and exercises are therapeutic and educational without being didactic. The kids experience connecting. And then after their feel-good success, they can take a step back and think, what worked about that? Like, how did I feel during that? Like, what was it that made that successful for me? So, um, you know, basically life is improv. We're making stuff up all the time. And now we're in Corona times and things are even more uncertain than ever. You know, so improv is a way to be comfortable with not knowing what's next. There are so many things that improv, you know, teaches um, that um, you'd like your students to learn anyway. I mean, I, I actually have... Uh, goals and objectives at the end of the curriculum for all those five competency areas that self-awareness, social awareness, um, self-management, responsible decision-making and relationship skills. But in addition to that, I have a bank of skill areas that each game teaches. So accepting ideas from others, adding onto conversations, adjusting and being flexible, um, appreciating diversity, um, awareness of personal space, being present in the moment, you know, relationship building, choosing healthy relationships, classifying your thoughts, communicating ideas clearly. And that's just, I just went from A to C. I'm not even done with the C. So um, there's like, um, you know, so many things that improv games and the, I have a lot of cognitive awareness exercises as well and I have mindfulness exercises and scripts for teachers. I love that and you can really use this with a range of different abilities and age groups as well and you've done the groundwork for us we can literally just look at your work and we're ready to go it's going to save so many hours and especially when like you say if a lot of us aren't fully trained in this area having those skills on hand having all the information that you've already gathered it's a little bit less stressful. It's a little bit less intimidating than when we are working on these skills because we feel like we have our own sort of very own teacher in the corner who's cheering us on because we've got your work, got your information, and we know what's going to happen and what to do with our students. I would really love to support anyone who is doing this work by doing Zoom trainings for people too so that we can play together in the Zoom space. I've been running groups uh, leading groups with students uh, for the past few weeks, and it's been really successful online as well. So that's another bonus is that, you you know, a lot of times when counselors want to, or, or, or speech pathologists or social workers or teachers, special ed teachers, want to run a, a social emotional group online, it, it's, you know, you're scrambling for activities to do, and how can I, how can I meet that need? And, and, and yet, these improv games and these mindfulness exercises and these cognitive awareness tools work really well 
on Zoom or Google Meets. So I'm really happy about that because I was so worried that the students we worked the, that I've been working with would not have this connection anymore. So that is another wonderful thing. And I, and I really want to support people through this. Definitely. It's such a crazy time for all of us, really, for teachers, therapists, counselors. So being able to have something like this that we can really easily put into action for distance learning, get our students on Zoom calls, that is wonderful. And I know so many people are probably going to be picking your brains about this as soon as this goes live, because they'll be wanting to do all of this for their students on Zoom as well. And I know we touched briefly on mindfulness there, and we spoke a little bit about it earlier. But just for anyone who's maybe new to all of this, maybe they're wondering what mindfulness is, could you just give us a little bit of a brief introduction about what it is and how we can use it in the classroom as well? Of course, I'm happy to do that. So I've been meditating since I was 19 and you can do the math. I taught for 37 years and have been uh, doing this program for about seven years. So <laughs> it's been a long time. Mindfulness is key in training our minds to have something to do besides paying attention to the thoughts that are constantly you know, holding court in our brains. Um, it assists us in elevating our cognitive awareness capabilities uh, by developing the practice of non-judgmental observation of our thoughts. So what I teach is to pay attention to your breathing. And I have some really fun techniques that I do with kids as little as, 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 as young as, um, as you know, seven and eight, and then through adults that, that they are really helpful for them to focus and breathe at the same time. And I'll, I'll share that with you. But every time you pay attention to your breathing, rather than the thought that happens to be crossing your mind, you free yourself a little from the habitual programming that's playing out in your subconscious. And that's been, you've developed since you were little. We all have these habit loops that are just kind of run our life. And when you learn to pay attention to your breath, or some people use the visualization or... Um, other ways of focusing, and they're all beautiful, they're all wonderful. Um, and But you learn that you have all this other part of you that is the creative, receptive part, and you find over time that you grow and expand into a much more peaceful and centered person. So we need to learn that our thoughts don't have to control us, and it also increases our ability to focus intentionally. So, so that to me, that's the essence of mindfulness is we are um, not, not controlling our mind, but we're taming our mind like a little puppy. You know, so we're, we're, like, we're like slowly training it because it keeps running around. You know, you sit down and you try to focus on your breath. And of course, your, your thoughts are like that little puppy. They're like going here, going there, peeing here and doing this. And like, you have to go clean it up. You have to take care of it. But then you, over time, you learn that the puppy can actually be trained to sit and stay, which is such an incredible thing for, for kids and for any human to learn. Definitely. And I like how this is something that we can do along with the students as well. It's not just something that we can teach to the students. We can really sit down, get involved with them and do it as well, because it's beneficial for us too. Like you say, it's for anyone. And I just think when we can actually get involved with the learning and the students can see us getting involved, 
it means a little bit more rather than us just standing back telling them what to do we can really get involved with it and it's just I don't know it builds that whole classroom culture and makes everyone just that little bit happier when you're all doing it together and we are role models too I think people often forget that a student's look at us for what we're doing and if we're doing the same thing it doesn't seem as silly anymore or like they're too cool to do it because the teachers are doing it as well the support staff are doing it it just makes it that little bit better for everyone so true so true I when I was little I was very socially awkward and I seemed to be confident and I just had that kind of personality, but inside I was always judging myself and getting hurt over and over again. And, and I really learned over time how to become my own best friend and to trust myself. And it's been through my you know, cognitive awareness and it's been through the mindfulness and it's, and it's been through the improv exercises. So I'm living proof that you can go from feeling kind of out of sorts and not connected to feeling really joyful and happy to get up every day and just be yourself in this world because we all belong. Each one of us deserves to belong no matter what is you know going on with us. And I just love creating that belonging mindset. So teachers uh, together, when we do exercises and, um, and we, we teach our students techniques, we learn them too. And yeah, sometimes when, I'm, when I'm, I finish doing a, a little breathing fingers exercise with my students, which is basically you hold your fingers in an okay sign. So just your thumb to your index finger. And you take a breath in for four, you hold it for two, and then you let it out for five. And you let the breath out more slowly than you breathe in because that signals your parasympathetic nervous system that all is well. So we start out with our thumb and our index finger, and we do that one breath. And then for the second breath, we move our thumb to our middle finger. The third breath, we move our thumb to our ring finger. And the fourth breath, we move our thumb to our pinky. And then we start all over again. So we take about eight breaths. And this helps kids focus their minds um, by having giving their bodies something to do. And then they can listen to the instructions as I say, breathe in, two, three, four, hold it for two, and breathe out, two, three, and it goes on like that. <laughs> and then when we're done, I look around and there something changed. Something is different when we consciously breathe together. It's kind of magical. It really is. And I was totally doing that along with you then. As soon as you had your hands up, I was there. I was with you. And I kind of wish that this was a YouTube interview rather than a podcast one, because if people could see the happiness just radiates out of you, you can see it and your passion for all things social emotional learning. I kind of wish that I could add video to my podcast just so people could see you. But you are living proof, like you say, that all these things really can help us. And I always say the mind is such a powerful, like crazily powerful tool. And you go to show that 
something as simple as breathing, using your hands, doesn't have to be expensive, doesn't have to be Pinterest worthy. Something as simple as that can have such a huge effect on all of us, not just our students. That is the truth. For sure. Now, I know you touched briefly on your curriculum, but before you go today, I really wanted to find out a little bit more about that, what it is, who it's for, just in case any of my listeners really want to dive in and find out more about that. Sure, absolutely. So the curriculum presents the call to action, which is about belonging. And belonging is so key to having our students feel good about themselves, having us feel good about ourselves. We all need to belong. That is a very, very, you know, primary uh, thing that we need and, and our survival has depended on it over the centuries and it still depends on it. So it's all about, the whole program is about helping everyone to realize that they belong and that everybody belongs. So the first few chapters are explaining mindfulness and cognitive awareness and improv theater and, and exercises and the value of them and getting really into it so that you can have a great background before you start the five chapters that are really the nitty gritty of the uh, program. So those five chapters are parallel with the CASEL five competencies. So the first one uh, that deals with the competencies is titled, Who Me? And that is self-awareness. So those exercises all relate to self-awareness. The next chapter is, um, Why Me? And that is all about self-management. So you need to take care of yourself as you present yourself into the world and all the games and exercises align with that. Um, the next one is um, who you, and that is social awareness. And so you need to be aware of other people and their perspectives and all of that. And then um, who us is the next chapter, which is about relationship skills and how we are together and all the games and exercises follow that concept. The last chapter is what now, and that's responsible decision-making. What do I do now? Um, and those are all games and exercises that help you with responsible decision-making. Um, and at the end of the, um, the book, there are um, lots of goals and objectives that you can use to write your IEPs or to, for data collection. And then there are, all the games are divided into skills too. So if you really, if you want to teach um, flexibility in relationships, you would, look in that, uh, under, for flexibility in that uh, index, and you would find all the games and the page numbers where you can teach that. And each game and exercise also has, um, an well, not each one, but most of them have either an advanced version of the game, extension of the game, an exercise, or they have prompts, props, and modifications for students who need more support. So it's really laid out so, um, so user-friendly. There are anchor charts that you can copy so that you can have these big charts for kids to look at so they can remember the steps. And uh, I've just, again, tried to make it so that I'm not giving you more work. I'm actually meeting a need that you have to deliver 
quality social emotional learning uh, uh, curriculum that really uh, delivers what it, it says it's going to with very little stress for you. So that's my, that's, that's what I have, this has been my life's mission. I've realized that uh, and so have all the people around me as I, as I spend hours and hours and hours um, just making this so that it can be uh, utilized uh, wherever, wherever there are kids who need some social and emotional support, which is really everywhere if you think about it. Definitely. And it sounds amazing. I mean, as soon as you said IEPs, I was hooked because anything that can help with IEPs, I think we're all on that same track where if there's something that can make our life easier, we need it, especially when it comes to IEPs. But it's such an important, like social emotional learning, it's so important for us to use that with our students and for you to be able to provide such an easy guide for us to follow. Like, I would feel comfortable with assistance being able to run it in my absence. I wouldn't feel like everything's on me. You can really differentiate for your students. And it's just nice as well to be able to involve assistants, give them an area of responsibility, and maybe they would really enjoy leading social emotional learning as well. And it's so much easier when you have your curriculum on hand where you've done all the hard work for us. Oh, gosh, that makes me feel so good just to think about you know, people being able to um, deliver this content and, uh, you know, connect with their students. And, you know, we, we always work on seeing the, the, the value, the child behind any resistant student, the, the beauty in every human being is, is there for us to discover. And that, and, and teachers will, even the kids that they, have had difficulty with, they'll discover some beauty. And we had a student, he was a um, third grader and he came to us from another school and his file read like the DSM-5. I mean, it was just you know, one thing after another, resistant behavior, throwing things, you know, acting out. And uh, he was in our, one of our groups. And um, I had heard that he had had a couple of really rough days before um, we met. So there were about uh, 12 students and three uh, staff members. And he walked in and I always have him sit next to me because I want to connect with him. And um, he looked at me and I looked at him and I knew that he was in so much pain. And so I started the conversation circle by saying, you know, some people think that kids, you know, don't feel a lot of pain, that they just, that their problems are like, oh, you know, get over it or... I said, I know different. And I'm not, I didn't, this is the first time I revealed this to uh, in, in groups with kids. I don't usually do a lot of, I don't talk about myself or about my life because I, it's, you know, really, um, you know, not appropriate for me to be sharing them <laughs> with them like they're my friends, uh, you know. And so um, even though they are my friends on, on the teacher-student level, and I, I looked at all the kids in the group and I said, you know, when I was uh, six, my six, my father got very ill and uh, he ended up in the hospital for almost a year. And I was taken care of by strangers. Uh, and um, one of them wasn't nice to me and I ended up in the hospital and it was the hardest time in my life. And I, um, and it really helped me to see that the pain that children feel is totally real. It's totally something. 
but I have something else to tell you. I've come through it and I have a wonderful life. And even though I had all that pain and all that trauma, uh, as my father eventually died and I had that to deal with, um, I know that you guys can make it through. I know that there's so much joy waiting for you at the other end. And I just want you to know that I, I see you and I'm, I'm here with you. And he participated more in that class than he ever had. And he volunteered. So we never make anybody play. It pass is always an acceptable uh, response. Uh, we, we want, you have to stay in the circle. You have to stay in the group. We need to see your face because we love you and we want you here. But you can always pass. And that, you know, a lot of kids get on that pass train and they ride it for a little while. But eventually they raise their hand for to volunteer for something and they join the group um you know there have been a couple of kids who weren't ready for group and they unfortunately you know they they um you know had to wait till a later time till they were more they could regulate their behavior more or whatever but most of the time there's very few kids who we've had to uh you know ask to wait till the next year but most of the time kids really appreciate the, uh, the unity that we create through uh, these games and, and how it levels us all into, we're all taking risks, we're all being flexible. You know, they can, I, I, I participate in the games so that they can see that, yeah, this is, this is hard, but look at I made it through. I'm taking risks, I'm trying. And so it's modeling that uh, behavior, I think, and connecting to them on that level of, uh, you know, we're all human beings and we have the opportunity to shine our light no matter who we are, no matter what we've been through, no matter what's going on in our neurology or our bodies or our life circumstances, we're here together and let's, let's create something beautiful. Wow, thank you so much for sharing that really personal story. I really appreciate it. And I know for sure your students would have just been able to connect with them and really relate to them as well. Like you say, I think it's quite easy for us to maybe sometimes assume our students don't feel a lot of pain. But like you say, you had that personal experience. Being able to share that, it probably didn't wonders for him internally and mentally as well. And like you say, he participated so well in that group and maybe it was just what he needed to hear that he wasn't alone like you say and you come up the other side and you with that little bit of glimmer of hope for him as well that he can come out too so thank you so much for sharing that with us of course so mm. this was the most amazing episode ever i've loved learning about social emotional learning about cognitive awareness about the power of belonging everything and honestly all your years of experience as well. Like it blows my mind that you have all those degrees, you've taught for 37 years, you've been a special ed teacher, and now you're doing all of this as well. It blows my mind how you've done it all. But if there was one thing that you really wanted my listeners to take away from this episode today, what would it be? That is such a great question. I would say that we all can grow and we can grow together. We can grow with our students and the fears that we have 
or the um, sense of overwhelm that we have, the stresses that we have, um, there are ways that we can work through that and we can be our own best friend in this life and we can teach our students to do that as well. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. I know it's a little bit of a loaded question to throw in, especially at the end when I've already picked your brains on absolutely everything. But thank you so much for coming on today. I'm going to link in the show notes to all those things. I'll get the links off you as well. Is there anywhere that my listeners can find you? Are you on social media? Yes, I am. And um, they can go to my website, which is... Um, www.thewordsocial.org. And then all my links to social media are there. I, I actually um, have a blog page with a lot of these exercises I've talked about. Actually, everything I've talked about is, I think, on the blog page. So I, I'm sharing a lot of content. Um, I try to do videos to teach these things. I have a Breathing Fingers video that they can watch. And uh, I am happy to share all of this. And um, the, the curriculum is at the publishers right now. And it, um, it just is a way of very concisely being able to do this program. But a lot of things are on my uh, website. So enjoy. And there's also going to be some posters with the... Um, with the curriculum so that some of the key practices that we really, really feel are most important for social and emotional wellness uh, and, and growth um, can be reinforced by putting a poster on your wall and kids can, you know, if they're, if they're feeling dysregulated, they can go to a poster that can help them through steps to get back into a, uh, a, a calm state. If they are, you know, uh, in an improv, if they're in one of the groups, they can see the rules of improv that we want to reinforce or the, um, or the, some of the most basic tenets of listening on purpose and looking on purpose and, and uh, thinking on purpose so that they have an intentional life. That's perfect. Thank you so much. I'm going to link all those in the show notes as well. I'll get the different blog posts and social media as well for some quick and easy access. But thank you so much for coming on today. I love learning about everything. I'm so excited to see your curriculum when it's up, especially those posters as well, because I love having visuals around the room. It's just that little extra reminder sometimes when maybe you've got 10,000 things going through your mind, but that poster sort of brings you back and makes you think, Right, yes, that's what I need. That's the reminder that I needed. Great, wonderful. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode with Robin, all about social and emotional learning. Be sure to head over to the show notes and find links for everything that we have discussed today in this episode. Don't forget, if you have a spare few moments, we would love for you to leave a review on this podcast and let us know how you find it. Thanks for listening and I'll speak to you again soon.